Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. You know, you can have faith, and sometimes faith, some, has anybody ever met anybody whose faith was obnoxious? Right? There, some, some people can have obnoxious faith. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I want to I have this tonight. If you look at the screen, this is the kind of faith that I want to have, if we have it ready. Genuine faith. Amen? In other words, when I say that by obnoxious faith, I mean it in the sense that someone would come across as trying to make it look like they have faith. Instead of just having genuine faith. When you have real, genuine faith, people will tell you you have faith or they'll talk about your faith. You don't have to talk about it. Amen? And I, I want genuine faith in my life. And so I want to show you that tonight with some characteristics or some traits. It's a good note-taking message tonight. Lots to write down. But we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. And it says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen how many know that you have how many have not seen Jesus tonight but you love him though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, tonight, for a few minutes, bless these children that are here, the teenagers that are here, the adults that are here. God, bless those kids that are back in children's church. Bless your word tonight. And Lord, allow every one of us to, to make a decision tonight to have genuine faith faith that is attractive to other people, Father, and mostly attractive to you and pleases you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The definition of genuine is sincerely and honestly felt or experienced, actual, true, free from hypocrisy or pretense, sincere. Let me read those again. Sincere and honestly felt. Actual, true, free from hypocrisy or pretense, sincere. I've had over the years as a preacher and a pastor had people tell me that was a great message, that was a good message, that message touched me, different things like that. And I, and I thank God for that and I always say glory to God and I give God the glory. But one, one time a man at, the, at our old building in Fort Worth Drive that I had never met before, never seen before, never seen since, came up to me after the service. He was a guest, he was visiting. And I've ne- like I said, I've never seen him again. Maybe it was an angel I mentioned on Sunday. We, minute, we, we, uh, we, we uh, welcome angels sometimes. But he said, I, I, I said I just, I've never heard you preach before till today. He said, I just want to tell you something. I, I don't know you, but I can just tell you're real. That's a better compliment to me than that was a great message. Because people can preach good messages and people can be obnoxious with their faith. And people can, we know that today, have really good words and eloquent words and grab people's attention but I want people to walk away from me and say, he's real. I want people to walk away from you and just say, they may not even agree with your faith, but they say, it's genuine. How I many know you can't argue with something that's real? 
You may, again, you may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may not want to be a part of it. But you just have to say, that's real. And that's what I want. And I want you to want that. And I believe you do tonight. And I want to show you some ways that you can know. Romans 12.9 says this, let love be without hypocrisy. So in other words, as we're getting into this and talking about this tonight, again, you can say a lot of things, but, but how do people feel when they walk away from you? That's the thing you got to think about. You can say the right things, but the life that you're living will speak louder than your words. Right? So we know that talk is cheap and you can say a lot of things, but when you live it, when you believe it, when it's genuine, you can, you can rub it and scratch it and try to break it, but it won't break because it's genuine and it's real. I mean, you know when you buy something that's good, genuine, and real, it might be a little more expensive, but you don't have to worry about it breaking. It's going to last. God wants our relationship with him to be that way. So it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, or in other words, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That right there, we could just read that every day. I could send that every, every day in the verse and just let's focus on those three things right there. Try to love without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Amen. Now watch this. This is what, the, this is what I want to be the goal. I'm going to give you about six or seven things that you can say Oh, man, that, my faith is genuine, or maybe it's not as genuine as I'd like it to be. And I mean, we're all in, in, that, in the process of working the, through our salvation. But look at Romans 1.8. I want this to be a challenge. This is what I, I want people, my, my faith to look like, and I believe I want, you want your faith to look like this. It says that as they were going out and preaching the gospel in Romans 1.8, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And look what it says, that your faith, is spoken of throughout the whole world. Isn't that awesome? How many would like your faith to be talked about? Not just in the city you live in or the state you live in, but all over the world. That person I met in in Denton, Texas, over in Africa at conference, I've I've never met that person before, but I met them and I knew they had genuine faith. Amen? So that's a challenge. That's something we should be looking for. Now, let's all go to James chapter 1. This is going to be a good homework night. You can reread this chapter again. But we're going to go through uh, almost the whole chapter of James real quick. And I'm going to give you some things to write down that as you write them down, they will tell you. It's kind of like a test of of the gold. If it's going to make it through the fire in your own personal walk, you answer the question for yourself. Maybe later on in the week you'll answer it. Maybe you'll get an answer right away. But here's some things, starting in James chapter 1, and I'm going to say it first, then I'm going to read a few verses. Number one is, when you have genuine faith, it endures. Okay, I'm going to take time for you to, uh, to write this down. Don't even look at the verse yet. It, it endures and even prospers in trials. Okay? If your faith is genuine, you're not only going to endure trials, you're actually going to prosper in trials. So James 1, and I'm going to back up everything I say with the word. It says, my brethren, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, as I'm reading this, 
I could stop and talk about a lot of it, but I can't because of time and several ones I want to get into. But as I'm reading this, see what the Bible's telling us here. It's, it's testing our faith. It's, it's, it's an understanding that as believers, we're going to have trials. So it's how you look at the trials. It's either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. So if your faith is genuine, you're, you're actually not only going to make it through the trial, you're actually going to prosper in the trial. You're going you're gonna to come out looking better. You're going to come out stronger. Number two, this is a big one, write this down. If you have genuine faith, you turn to God for every answer. Every answer that you look for. You don't look for answers from men or from people or from society or from, from your family. You turn to God for every answer. You understand that he is the source. Okay? That's how you know your faith is genuine. That you automatically look up. God, what's the answer? Not go to God last. But straight, God, what's the answer to this, to this question? And where's the answer? Somebody tell me where God's answers are. In the Word. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, some people's faith is like that. Depending on how the wind's blowing is how their faith is. I see some honest people saying, that's me. That's good. When you're honest like that, that's good. Okay? Some pe- that's just, how, how's your faith today? Well, you can just tell by some people's faith. It just depends on the circumstances. That's not genuine faith. That's not to make you feel bad. It's not to knock you. It's just the truth. God, God wants us to, people to be able to look at us and not know what the weather is. Now, I'm complaining up here about the heat, but it's not stopping me from serving God. I just don't like it, right? I'm not, I'm not happy with it, the heat. But, so don't take that example at the beginning as hypocrisy. But it's not stopping me from serving God. I'm here. Didn't keep me from coming to church. Didn't keep me from praying today or reading the Bible or witnessing or any of those things. Okay. So, but it says, for, for who, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven. And then seven, let man not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If he's that way, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So he's saying a man, a person, a man or woman with genuine faith does not waver. Okay? And they always go to God for the answer. Number three, a, genu- a person with genuine faith has the right perspective on money. The right perspective on money. How many know money is important? Anybody in here need money? Anybody in here got too much? Raise your hand if you got too much money. Never seen anybody raise their hand in all my years of preaching. That, 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 that I got too much, right? Never. We all could use more, right? And, and depending what we do with it, that's up to you. But we can all use more, and we all, we all have had less. How many have had less, right? How many have, have been in times in your life that then right now you had less than you do right now, Right? So we've all been in those, both those places. Paul said, I know what it's like to be wealthy. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have nothing. And I'm just happy in all things. So genuine faith, look what it says right here in verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich 
in his humiliation. Now, it doesn't mean a person can't be rich. It means a person who is rich and does not give God glory. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Remember that there was a lot of wealthy people in the Bible. Lots of people who had finances. So it's not that you can't have it. A lot of people think that you have to take a vow of poverty to be a believer. And like I've always taught you, the simple answer, you can have things as long as the things don't have you. Okay, so God, the matter of fact, the, the tomb that Jesus was buried in was from a very, very rich Joseph of Arathimea. Many people had money around him, and, and they had money in their possession. But it's how you look at money. When you have genuine faith, this is a good thing to throw in here in your notes, you're not afraid of money. Whenever you're going to see a move of God in your life, corporately as a church or personally, we couldn't have bought that land we have if we were afraid of money. We couldn't be where we are today as a church if we're afraid of money. Money doesn't have us. Money is a source, but we have the right perspective on money. And so this is teaching us here in James is that it's a characteristic. And it says, verse 11, No sooner has, has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so is the rich man who will fade away in his pursuits. Now again, that's a rich man that does not give God glory. I've always said, blessed are the people who have money and God. Right? Don't be jealous. There's a lot of people who have a great relationship with the Lord, and they're very giving, and they're very wealthy. I know people. I have family members. My, my, I, I have people I know that have been like that for as long as I can remember. And I used to say, man, what a blessing. They've got God, and they've got finances. Amen? There's nothing wrong with it. But those kind of people usually have the right perspective on it, and they give more. And it, it may, always makes me think of Steve Jobs. Remember Steve Jobs? Anybody remember him? I think it's probably been, it's been at least five years, maybe close to ten. I don't know how many years it's been since he died, but he was super wealthy and very smart. Got it started at Apple, right? And had all the resources in the world, but those resources couldn't help him from dying from cancer. And he couldn't take any of that money with him. So today there are countless, I would say hundreds of thousands maybe, of billionaires in this world. I mean, it's the, the amount of billionaires now is crazy, right? And definitely millionaires who are going to go into their eternity and can't take any of that stuff with them. When you have genuine faith, you're, you're, you understand that finances is just part of life. Number four, a gen, person with genuine faith stands under temptation. Now, same thing, same question. Does anybody in here never have temptation? Same thing with the money, right? Everybody in here is tempted. Just like everybody can use more money, everybody has temptations. Sometimes they're far and few in between. Sometimes they're every day. Sometimes they're every minute. And, and I will tell you this, just to give you a nugget for you new believers, the more you're in your word and the more you pray and the more you're in the presence of God and the more you're listening to godly music and the more you're thinking about the things of God, the less temptation you have. Okay? Does anybody agree with that? Has anybody lived that? Play around with sin, mess around with sin, it'll, it'll always be there. It's always going to try to trap you, but when you're doing the right thing, you can stand. Verse 12, blessed. Blessed. 
How many want to be blessed? Is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Then it says, let no one say who is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt himself anyone. So remember that. Satan is the tempter. God is not a tempter. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now what I just said, just leave that there. For, what I just said is, when you're in your word, why, why do we talk so much about that? Does it get on anybody's nerves? Hope it doesn't. Why are we always mentioning the importance of a prayer life and, and praying and reading the Bible and coming to church? Because when you're doing all those things, you have less temptations, less enticement. If you're hanging out with those spirits and those people that are doing ungodly things, you're going to have temptation right in front of you. You're, you're really not being very smart putting yourself in a position to fail. That's why God ordained the church. He ordained the church family. He said, don't forsake the assembling together. Get around people who are strong. Iron sharpens iron. But when you're not doing those things, you get enticed. And then it says, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Remember that that is, that is the devil's plan for you. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. How many know that verse? What did the devil say right before that? What did Jesus say the devil comes to do? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So it depends. My, if I'm going to have genuine faith, I need to stand under temptation. But don't say, I'm so strong in the Lord, I can handle it. Run from those things. The Bible says to abstain in 1 Thessalonians, the very appearance of evil. If something even looks like it's not right, get away from it because you're going to fall. Especially if you are talking about something that you used to be addicted to, something you used to do before. That spirit is extra strong on you. Stay away from it. Number five. Anybody getting anything? This is a good one, too. This is a good one, too, right now as I think of, of Jerwan in the hospital and Mike and the family and, and going, going through what they're going through. And I want to I brag on my cousin and thank God for how much she's been a, a, a mom to Jerwan. Kendra has been such a blessing to Jerwan. And it's not easy. Amen? It's not easy. This is, these are, and just like the Jennifer that we just passed, just passed away. There are things in this life, just like, just like Christopher, there are things in this life we don't understand. Right? There's things we don't understand. And if you have genuine faith, this is important, you are going to learn that God is sovereign. This is a character trait of a person who has genuine faith. You understand God's in control. And you understand that you have to believe that when things are good and when things are bad. When things are going the way that you want them to go and when things are going the exact opposite of how you want them to go. There's a character trait that's in a person of genuine faith that doesn't have the answers, doesn't say, I understand 
as a pastor, I have to tell people, just like I did Christian and, and, and Lisa, just like I told this mom last week, I don't understand. I don't have the answer why, but God does. And you just have to understand that. You just have to come to grips with it. You just have to believe that. And that means if you don't understand exactly what the sovereignty of God is, it means that he's supreme, he's authority, and it's his way. Lots of people, unfortunately, are going to go to hell over a mystery trying to figure out the sovereignty of God. Because one of the verses that I read at this funeral in, 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 uh, on Saturday was Isaiah 55. It says, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He's always doing something we don't even understand. He's working. There, there, there's things that we don't understand today that we'll understand later. And genuine faith just sits back and says, at the end of the day, after arguing, crying, questioning, wondering, and all the human emotions, at the end of the day goes to sleep and says, God, we've, we've talked all day. I, I don't understand still. I still don't, I, I still don't understand God, but you're God. And you're sovereign. And I trust you. If you've been in this church very long, one of my favorite verses, and I know I have a lot, is Job. What is it, Dwayne? Though you slay me, I will trust you. That, you could, if you could just grab that verse and live by it. In other words, God, no matter what, I still love you. I still trust you. How many, how many understand now as adults growing up, that your parents knew a lot more than you thought they did. Doesn't mean they were perfect. Whether you came from a good family or a bad family, the truth is they, they knew stuff you didn't know. And the older you get, the more you realize God understands and God knows. And you just got to trust him. Just, you just got to get to that place, and I know I'm staying here for a moment because this is kind of where we're at tonight. You just got to get to that place in your life where you go, where, where, where mom and dad go, because I said so. Right? God says that to us because I said so. That kids are like, what do you mean? What does that mean? And then when you get older, you understand what it means. And you use it. And you like to use it. You wait to become a parent so you can say, because I said so. I mean, it's a wonderful blessing to be able to say, right? Because I said so. And so God, we have to understand God says, because I said so. And you just have to say, okay, God. You're God, and I'm not. So genuine faith understands that. Verse, verse 16, don't be deceived, brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is, this is important, no variation of shadow or turning. God doesn't change as we do. He's not moved like we are. He, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't change. Even when we're mad, sad, upset, he doesn't change. He can be pleased and he can be upset, but he doesn't change. We change. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, let me make that simple for you. He made us. We don't have a choice. We don't, just like, like I said a few weeks ago with that ridiculous woman who sued her parents, we don't get a choice. We don't get a choice where we're born, who we're born to, the color of our skin, 
who, where we live, what country, none of that stuff. We just get a choice of what to do when we get to the age of accountability. Amen? Number six. Just two more. These are all characteristics. This is a good message to go back and look at later. Number six, oh, this is so good. Slow to speak and slow to anger. How many can work on that? I'm the only one, okay. Slow to speak. Married couples, boy, you'd have much better marriage if you'd just be slow to speak. Slow to anger. Amen? Slow to speak, slow to anger. Verse 19, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, or swift, and slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's, that's an area we got to work on, amen, all of us. Not get so mad so quick. Not get upset so easily. Not respond so quickly. I think the older you get, the more wise you get, and the less you talk in response to things. There's an amazing thing that you can do called, I'll get back to you. It's an amazing. Well, let's talk about this tomorrow. Ever heard the saying, cooler heads prevail? Right? You don't have to finish every argument that day. Let's pick this up tomorrow, especially at night when you're both tired or kids are tired or the person you're talking to is tired or you're upset. That's why the Bible says don't let, the, don't let your anger go down to you when you go to sleep with you. You don't have to fix the problem, just don't be mad. Some people think because that says that, you've got to fix it. Or some people just stay up all night and don't go to sleep because they don't want to go to sleep with their anger. Number seven, last one. The characteristic of a, of, a, of a genuine faith is a person is a doer and not only a hearer. So lots of people, this goes back to the beginning, lots of people talk about what they've done for God or talk about what they're going to do for God. A genuine faith just does things for God. Okay, it's, it's, it's a doer, not only a hearer. And we're going to read a few verses here to close, and this is really powerful. And I know it's a little bit early, but this is, this is what I felt the Lord wanted me to talk about tonight. And this part is really important. Let's look at verse 21. And it kind of all ties it up. Therefore, lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's just leave that there for a second. We're going we're gonna to begin to close here. Let's just look at this again. This, this, this kind of ties everything together. If my faith is genuine, I stop and I, and I begin to deal with me. Get, let me get my stuff out the way. Let me get this wickedness, this filthiness off of me. Maybe it's not because you're wicked or you're filthy. It's just you've been around it. You've been in it. Get it off. Okay, and then it says, and receive with meekness, humility, the implanted word. In other words, God's word has the final word. When God's word is allowed to work on you, any situation can be fixed. Any situation can be fixed. When someone says, I was wrong, I, I'm, I humble myself, 
I'm, I'm, the, I'm the problem. I don't know if I'm going to preach it, but I've had for a couple weeks, maybe months, in my spirit for conference, if the Holy Spirit opens the door for me to preach, if I preach, I don't ever assume that I'm going to preach, that the title is, It's Me. I'm the problem. I mean, no, that'll go a long ways. What would that do in your marriage if the other person came up and said, it's me, I'm the problem? And some of you are like, yep, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> ah, see, that's the problem. That's not the right attitude. But just imagine. And then what if the other person said back, no, it's me. I'm the problem. And then your argument is, who's more the problem? That's a good problem. Right? You're not arguing with each other. You're in competition of who is more the problem. That's a turnaround on the thing. But verse 22, be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Watch this. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, in other words, we read this thing and we, we listen to it and it says, and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In other words, you don't deal with what God just told you you look like in the mirror. When you read this, and this might be the reason some people don't want to read the Bible. Because it reads you. And when your faith is genuine, you want it to read you. You ask it to read you. You beg it to read you. Lord, please speak to me from this word. Show me in this. Go read Psalms. I'm in Psalms right now. Go read Psalms. I was reading Psalms 119 today. It says obey like 50 times. Obey, 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 obey. There, there, it, it reads you. It, it talks to you. And if we'll allow the word of God to speak to us, we won't be like that. It says he goes, verse 24, he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets the man, kind of man he was, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And musicians, you can begin to come. Listen to this. This one will be blessed in what he does. You don't have to raise your hand. I don't have to ask you. This one will be blessed in all he does. I want to be blessed in everything. And I, when you think of the word blessing, just let me remind you, we say it all the time, it's not about money. Because that's what I go back to with Steve Jobs. Doesn't mean none of us, all of us need more money. All of us could do more with more resources. Some of us may think that money's the answer. It's not. When I say blessed, first and foremost, that's a relationship that's good with God. A good standing with God. A peace, a joy, a relationship that when you get down to pray, there's no wall. There's no condemnation. You just feel God's presence with you when you talk to him. That's blessing. Health is blessing. So I said back to Steve Jobs, people today have all the money in the world and cannot save themselves with their money. They can have the greatest health care in the world and they can't do anything. 
He's a perfect example. He died of cancer, shriveled up, unfortunately, old man, and, and looked, looked horrible. If you look at the last pictures of his life, and all that money couldn't save him. So when you think of the word blessed, don't think of money. Don't think, think of the true blessings, which is peace and joy and, and, and relationship with God, and more than any of that, right standing with God. For if anyone among you thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and watch this, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Amen? There's some characteristics here. We talked for four weeks about faith over feelings. Now, tonight, we talk about having genuine faith. Faith that withstands. How, how do I know, God, if my faith is, is real? I just gave you some examples. Okay? I'm going to go over them again. You endure and even prosper in trials. People look at you and go, man, they, they should be down right now. Remember I told you before, if you've ever heard me say this even in the last few months, if you've ever read the book of Job, and everyone in here should have read it, Job himself could have saved 40 chapters of, of Job if he wouldn't have wasted his time listening to those, those guys. He, had, he in the beginning was right and in the end was right, but he, did, he got distracted. Get around the wrong people, they're just going to waste your time. He knew who he was in God, and look, he ended up getting a double portion of everything he had lost. So they endure and even prosper in trials. Number two, they turn to God for every answer. Every, every little answer. Number three, they have the right perspective on money. Number four, they stand under temptation. Number five, they understand God. You're God. I'm not. I don't understand, but I understand you're sovereign. You're supreme. You're the ultimate authority. Number six, slow to speak, slow to anger. And number seven ties it all together. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. Don't be a hearer only, but be a doer. Father, tonight we thank you for this precious congregation that are here, that are hungry to learn. Wednesday nights is like a discipleship, Father. Opportunity to get in your word. And look, we just read a whole chapter in James. And Lord, we thank you that there's so many promises in this chapter. That if we'll endure temptation, we will receive a crown. Lord, if we'll be doers and not just hearers, God, we will be blessed in all we do. Every time something was, every good and perfect gift is from God. Job also said, I can't thank God just for the things he's given me. I have to thank God for the things he's taken away as well. You can't just thank God when things are good. You've got to thank God when things aren't the way you want them to go. That's the, that's the sign of genuine faith. He doesn't waver. He doesn't change. There's no variation in him. And if we're made in his image, we can be like that too. Don't let your situation and your circumstance dictate your faith. God, help our faith to be genuine tonight. All over this place, 
There may be people here who have a head knowledge of who Jesus is. A head knowledge of God's existence, but they don't know Jesus. Jesus, tonight as I'm finishing this service, if they're here, how many would be in this place that you could go and knock on the door of their hearts? Grab their attention and say, let me in. Right now, if there's a knock on your door of your heart, that means Jesus is trying to come in. That means he's never been there before or he hasn't been, he's been, let, you've been, you pushed him out and he wants to come back in. How many honest hearts and minds and lives this tonight would say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me because I want Jesus to come into my life tonight. Just lift up your hand quickly all over this place and say, that's me talking to me all over this place maybe there's someone online maybe there's people watching or listening on the podcast today Jesus is the day of salvation the acceptable day of the Lord as we stand all across this place maybe you're backslidden maybe you're running maybe you've ran and, and you're back and you're saying God I need to get some things right I don't feel like I'm in the right place. I feel like I've made some bad choices or I've lost my first love. Tonight, you just come back to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I know you're still there. You haven't moved. I'm the one that moved. Talk to God tonight. But before we open up these altars, let's pray for that person or those people that might be watching or listening on a podcast that might hear this and have an opportunity to be saved. Say this with me all over this place. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm, I'm sinful, and I can't do anything about it. The wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Tonight I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the gospel good news. That you died on the cross for me to wash away my sins. Tonight I believe that. I look upon you as the author and finisher of my faith. Please forgive me. Please save me. And please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Jesus, we thank you for salvation tonight. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. Let's begin to find a place tonight in this church. Let's say, God, test me tonight. Show me tonight how genuine is my faith. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.